welcome to the LifeBridge podcast. We exist to practice the way of Jesus, participating in God's kingdom coming in Dover as it is in heaven. My name is Tyler Saldana, and I'm the pastor of our church community. We are so grateful that you're checking out our church's podcast. We pray that the Spirit uses this podcast to encourage you in your following of Jesus. The scripture that's listed in the bulletin we will put off, I think, until next Sunday. Instead, I would like us to focus on one verse. We'll look at some other scriptures in addition to this one. But, but the key verse that I want us to look at comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What's your story? Has anyone ever asked you that question? Have you ever asked anybody that question? What's your story? What do they want to know? Probably something about you, something about your background as a way of getting introduced or getting to know you better. Have you thought about that question for yourself? Have you ever taken the time to say, what is my story? Um, have any of you heard of um, Bible, well, pastor, Bible teacher, Alistair Begg? Does that ring a bell with a few of you? A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to hear him speak at Kidron Mennonite Church in the evening. One of the things that he mentioned, I may be paraphrasing here a little bit, but one of his points was that people today are largely, mostly living their lives without a story. You think of some ways that that might be true, living their lives without a story. They're going along day by day without a narrative. And, and what I mean and what I think that he meant by that is that people, people are living without a sense of purpose and meaning by virtue of what they're doing every day and every week. Every story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. There's conflict, there's hopefully resolution, and a reason for the characters to be in the story that they are in. But for people today, often there isn't a beginning, middle, or end to their story. There's only a collection of random events. You're born, things happen, and then you die. People can't see how their lives fit into a story that can help them make sense of their lives and don't know how to, to put all those pieces together in a way to, to allow them to have a sense of meaning and purpose for how they live their lives. I mean, if life is just a collection of random events that the universe sends your way, then how can life really have purpose? This is a problem. We need that purpose in order to understand ourselves and make sense of our own lives. Psychologist Dan McAdams wrote in a book called The Redemptive Self that beginning in late adolescence and early adulthood, we construct 
integrative narratives of the self that selectively recall the past and wishfully anticipate the future to provide our lives with some semblance of unity, purpose, and identity. Personal identity is the internalized and evolving life story that each of us is working on as we move through our adult lives. I don't really know who I am until I have a good understanding of my narrative identity. Now, for those of you who that just kind of blended together and you didn't catch a whole lot, let me try and translate that in words that I understand. His point is that each person, as we come to the end of our childhood or maybe the end of our teen years, we have to construct for ourselves a story that we live into in order to make sense of our lives. In order for us to have a sense of purpose, we have to be going somewhere for some reason. If we're just drifting along and there is no meaning to life, well... That's more than just depressing. It psychologically affects us. Trying to live lives without purpose. If we can't answer that question, why did God put me here on this earth, then we are likely to experience any number of psychological illnesses and struggles, including depression or unexplained anger and rage or addictions. But, don't despair, there is good news this morning, that as Christians, we not only have a story, we have an epic story to live into. As Christians, we know that our identity in Christ can provide meaning and a sense of purposefulness that so many people today crave and are searching for, but haven't been able to find otherwise. As Scottish evangelist and author Oswald Chambers put it, never believe that the so-called random events of life are anything less than God's appointed order. Be ready to discover in his divine design, discover his divine designs anywhere and everywhere. Now I I don't think that means to say that we don't have any choice in the matter or that everything is going to happen no matter our what our response to it is. To believe that, I think, threatens to make discipleship less relevant, and it's hard to think about what it means to be faithful. For God, God could have created robots, right, who, you know, you just program them and then they do whatever's in their program. Like, he could have programmed us in such a way that we had no choice in the matter. We would simply obey and, and we would worship God, yes. But if it's up to me, like as a parent, if I had the choice to make sure that my children always obeyed me and had no choice in the matter, okay, sometimes that would be nice and I would probably choose that option. But there are also times knowing that they aren't required to <laughs> or that, that there's nothing I can do to actually actually change what's in their heart when, when they respond because of their own choice out of love or gratitude or appreciation. There is almost nothing sweeter in this world to have that kind of relationship with someone who, who wants to be with you, who chooses to be with you, who is grateful for what you've done for them. And I think that is true 
of God's hopes for us as God the Creator creating us. And to start with that purpose. As Christians, we believe what it says in Genesis 1, chap, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That in alone is a big statement because it means that all of creation, including each of our lives, is not the result of random events, but is intentional on the part of God. Furthermore, God said that this creation that God made, including the human beings that God created, were good, were very good. The Westminster Shorter Catechism, this is a Scottish Presbyterian document that is used to help new Christians understand what it means to follow Jesus. One of its teachings is that our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. Isn't that a part of why we were created? We were placed here on earth to have a relationship with God, to praise Him, to worship Him. Just like I said as a parent, how wonderful that feels to, to have a child that chooses to come to you out of their own will to, to thank you, to love you, to choose to be with you. So I think God takes delight when we, as his daughters and sons, right, respond to God in ways that bring delight to him, when we choose to be in his presence, when we praise him, when we thank him. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so it's talking about some issues the church was having, whether or not to eat or drink, uh, food that had been sacrificed to idols, whether it's okay to do that. But he kind of, Paul sums it up there saying, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Or in Revelation 4.11, we, we have the scene of worship happening around the throne. And part of that worship is to say that worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. It creates meaning and purpose in our lives to know that we aren't here accidentally. To know that our accomplishments and our failures don't happen in a vacuum. But we are, each one of us, seen by God. To some people, the idea that God sees everything that we go through, everything we do, is pretty threatening, right? <laughs> like, God is there, I don't know, like the divine speed trap, you know? So if you mess up, God can, you know, punish you right away and can just get you in trouble because he sees and knows everything. It could be one way to look at it. I choose to see it a little bit different, that, that God being able to see in our hearts, to see what happens uh, with us no matter what the circumstances are that we are going through, is a way, number one, for God to provide for our needs because he knows intimately what those are this fact that he also sees each one of us and what we're going through. And that means something to me. 
Matthew 6, 25 to 26. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, or about, uh, nor about your body or what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than they? Right? The, the point being that if God can know what the needs are of each one of these birds that are flying around, and, and they're, they're birds, how much more does God care about each one of us and what we're going through? And able to, yes, provide for our needs, but also to know us so well that God sees what we are going through. It goes beyond just what we will eat, what we will wear, to knowing that our faithfulness to God is never wasted. Our struggles and our challenges can even produce strength and resilience and experience that God can help us use to love God more and to serve other people. Um, just on this idea of God kind of seeing what we're going through, there was a meme a little while back of a woman who is at a football game and cheering not just for her own son, but like for the whole team. But apparently, I, I guess, she probably didn't know all their names. So she was just, after every play, like, I see you, 42. I see you, 19. I see you, 23. Just as a way to communicate, no matter what happened on the play, hey, I saw your effort. <laughs> hey, I am celebrating that touchdown with you. Hey, oh, that sack was hard, but you know what? You can get up again. You can do it. I see what you're doing. That, to me, is what it means for God to see everything that I'm going through. Not to catch me and, and like make sure I get punished for everything that's wrong that I do, but we want to be seen, don't we? We want to know that what we are going through has some meaning, some, some purpose, and, and God can look into our lives and say, yes, I see how you succeeded there. I, I delight in the way that you've chosen to follow me. And, and even where it is more of a struggle or where we have sinned and we, and we confess our sins, God is also there to say, yes, I see you there too. And yet I still love you and still invite you to confess and repent and, and follow me. And not only that, but I can take and I can use those broken things and I can use those struggles and I can turn it around for good if you allow me to do that in your life. When an expert in religious law asked Jesus what the greatest commandment is, and this is in Matthew 22, uh, 34 to 40, Jesus answers him by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And that is the first part of our mission, first part of our calling. It doesn't matter who we are, that is a part of our life's call, to love God with everything that we are and everything that we have, with our heart, our soul, and our mind. It is to worship God, to be in relationship with God, 
to enjoy him forever. But Jesus doesn't stop there in that conversation when he's asked that question. He goes on to say, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. Part of our life purpose is not just to love and worship God our creator, but also to love and to serve our neighbors. The people that we meet, the, the people that we come into contact with as we live our lives. Remember what we read at, at the beginning here of the sermon, uh, Ephesians 2, chapter 10. We are God's workmanship, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our story has a beginning, we were created by God, we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. And More than that, we were created for a purpose, we were created to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to do the things, the, the good works that God had prepared for us to do. Our responsibility, our mission, our life purpose is to be faithful and walk in them in response to the grace and salvation that God has freely offered us through Jesus' death on the cross. These are ways that, yes, they serve God, but they're also ways to be a witness to, in other words, tell other people what we have experienced in terms of God's love and graciousness, but also to serve people in ways that are helping them out that lift them up, that encourage them, that help to meet some of their needs. There are several examples in the Bible that refer to God calling people to something even before they were born. God says to Jeremiah the prophet, Jeremiah 1 uh, verse 5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Or in Galatians 1.15, Paul writes that God had set him apart even from his mother's womb and called him through his grace. And perhaps, I think, maybe most powerfully, David writes in Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. This is just as true of every one of us as it is about Jeremiah or Paul or David. You are no accident, even if the manner of your coming into this world was not planned by human strategy. God knew you before you were born and had a plan for your life even then. You were born with a mission. Part of that mission for all of us is then to tell other people what Jesus has done for us and how our lives have been changed by God's love and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20 All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Have you ever thought about your life or your life story in that sense? Like, yes, we get pretty much where we are called to worship God. That's part of our calling. But part of our calling is also to be ambassadors for Christ. Like, think about that for a second. Like, you, yourself, have been selected by God to be his voice, his messenger, his prophet sometimes, his evangelist, his friend to other people here on earth. I mean, what, what greater privilege could there be? What greater honor there, could there be? What could be more significant and meaningful about someone's life than to have God himself give you a task to do. To say, you are going to be my ambassador. But I forget. I get busy, I get distracted, I have things to do, right? So sometimes I lose sight of the fact that every time I interact with somebody else, it could be part of my life's purpose to tell them about Jesus. To give them an encouraging word. To speak a word of blessing into their life. To speak a word of life, of hope to them. And that's not nothing. <laughs> like, that is extremely important to be able to share God's word with somebody else, to give them what they're longing to hear, to maybe the first time they've ever heard what it means to receive salvation. Your life has purpose and meaning as soon as you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and your story becomes part of his story. I don't know if any of you are thinking like, okay, but maybe God calls like really important people to do like really important things, right? Like uh, a Billy Graham. So obviously he had a call in his life, or at least it looks that way to us, right? Like he had a special purpose. Like not all of us are, are going to be uh, speaking or preaching at Crusades at these meetings that lead thousands and thousands, I don't know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people to faith? So, okay, maybe certain people are called, but what about me? Don't ever underestimate the significance and the power and the purpose of even the small things that we do, okay? Um, John Piper tells the story of Doug Nichols. Doug Nichols was the international director of Action International Ministries. But Doug was not always successful in his mission work. In fact, in 1967, as a missionary to India, he was confined to 
a sanatorium when he came down with tuberculosis. Like, he had these grand visions of, I'm going to this different culture, and we're going to start a church, and it's going to be huge, and all these people are going to respond to my preaching, and it's going to be wonderful, and there's going to be this huge impact that starts in this place and spreads all through India. But he had been frustrated in those in those expectations this far. He tried to give out tracts and booklets containing the Gospel of John, but the staff and the patients, even in this sanatorium, ignored him and seemed to resent the person that they saw as a rich American. Doug was disappointed and disheartened as he struggled with his illness. At one point, he woke up coughing at 2 a.m. for several nights in a row. And one night, he noticed an emaciated old man trying to get up, and then, unable to do so, he lay back on his bed with a whimper. The next morning, the stench from the old man in the ward was terrible, and everyone was angry at him. Even the nurse who was cleaning him up smacked him across the face for making such a mess and not containing himself. The next night, the same thing happened again. Doug woke up coughing and feeling weak from his own battle with TB. The old man tried to get up, but was too weak and began crying softly in his bed. Doug managed to stand up and go over to him. And the old man cowered at first, expecting to to get slapped again, to be punished. But Doug instead managed to pick him up and carry him to the bathroom, which... Nothing fancy, just a hole in the floor. And as he was bending down then afterwards to put the man back into his bed, the old man kissed Doug on the cheek to thank him for his kindness. The next morning, another patient woke Doug up with a hot cup of tea and asked for a copy of that Gospel of John. Then throughout the day, people kept coming and asking for more copies. What's amazing to me in this story is that even being weak with tuberculosis, unable to speak the language with every reason to feel hopeless and alone, asking God, why in the world am I here? What is the purpose of it all? All my big plans have been frustrated and nothing seems to have come of it. That at that point, Doug remained true to his call to love God and love his neighbor. When the Holy Spirit woke him up again at just the right time at night, and I think it was the Holy Spirit, not just randomly his cough, that woke him up at the right time. Doug was obedient to do the good work that God had given him, had prepared him, had maybe led him to that situation to do. And that wasn't a a huge thing. It was simply an act of love for another human being. And because of that faithfulness, Doug's action became a powerful witness to everyone who was there in that hospital ward. You don't have to be important or successful or especially gifted. You can even serve God and be a witness from a hospital bed. Even the tiniest things that we do can be used by God for his purposes. A couple years ago, there's also a song that was on Christian radio that was fairly popular for a little while. Um, Josh Wilson sang a song called Dream Small. 
which has sort of caught your attention because, like, we want to have big dreams, right? Like, big visions and big things. And, yes, sometimes we, we need to be challenged to, to dream bigger and step out of our comfort zone. But the chorus in that song goes, dream small. Don't buy the lie that you have to do it all. Just let Jesus use you where you are one day at a time. Live well, loving God and others as yourself, finding little ways where only you can help. With his great love, a tiny rock can make a giant fall. Right? So it's not necessarily like, oh no, what's that one big purpose in my life? If I miss it, I've missed the boat, and it's, it's all over, right? Like, God was going to use me to preach to millions, but I missed, no. Sometimes that's a distraction between every day when we get up, when we step outside our front door, or when we're communicating with someone on our phone. Like, there is the opportunity for our life's purpose. Showing love and kindness to someone else. Um, speaking of evangelists, uh, you've heard about um, Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, led to Moody Radio. I mean, a great evangelist. Again, preached and saved, you know, was involved in the salvation of many, many people. People probably, a lot of people have heard of him, but what about Edward Kimball? You know who Edward Kimball is? Probably, like a few of you are like, okay, I know who D.L. Moody is. Nobody, I think, is saying I knew who um, Edward Kimball was. He was a Sunday school teacher in Boston, I think in the, like 1850s or something, and he had this personal commitment that everyone that was part of his Sunday school class, they were youth and young adults, he would have a conversation with them about their relationship with the Lord and invite them to follow Jesus. And there's one of his students that worked at a shoe store, and according to his own commitments and practice, he went to that shoe store, found him in the back room, you know, like working with stock, and had that conversation with him, shared his faith, his testimony. That young man was Dwight Moody, right? <laughs> like, so there's maybe a relatively unknown act by someone that could be seen as insignificant, and yet without that, Dwight Moody does, maybe doesn't come to faith <laughs> or in the same way, right? So, so that can be part of our calling, part of our purpose are those small things, those chances that we have that may lead to bigger things that God can take and use in ways that we might not even imagine. And yet it depends on our faithfulness and our saying yes. So back to the original question, what is your story? Why are you here? I believe that it is so that you can worship God and praise God and have a relationship with God. But I also believe that God is calling you to have an impact on somebody else's life. An impact that for them could have an eternal difference. It could make the difference for them of knowing God forever or not. And to know that I could be a part of that, that does get me up in the morning. I hope it does for you too. If it, that, 
sense of, hey, God could actually use me to do these kinds of things. That's purpose. That's meaning. And that's the way that our lives, our story can be incorporated and wrapped up in a bigger story, a bigger story of what God has been doing since creation, since calling his people, since sending Jesus, since the church was born, of inviting others to know him, to love him, and to serve him as well. Would you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for your creation, for its goodness, for how you have created each one of us, called us good. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you for this opportunity that we have not to live just for ourselves or live for things that are here today and gone tomorrow or ways that don't really have any eternal impact, but that you give us the opportunity through you, if we are led by your Holy Spirit, to do things of vital importance for you and your kingdom. To make a real difference even if it's just for one person, even if it's just in one way. We know, God, you see it and you honor it and you celebrate that with us. I thank you, Lord, that we can have that kind of purpose. We can have that to live for. Grant us the opportunity to love you more, to serve you better. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the LifeBridge podcast. For more information about our church, please visit lifebridgedover.org. There you'll be able to find out more about the church community, our ministries, ways to get involved, recommended resources, and to give. Be sure to subscribe to receive new episodes directly into your podcast feed. While we are glad that you're checking out our podcast feed, we believe that the New Testament teaches that church worship is to be experienced weekly, in person, within your local church community. Thus, we encourage you to either join us in person for Sunday morning worship or to find and commit to a local gospel-centered church community in your neighborhood. Thanks.